0: Hello, everybody. Gary Wilson here again, and we are back, obviously, with the Gary Wilson podcast. Uh, thrilled to have with us today, Matthew Karchner. Uh, you're going to be amazed by this story and blessed by it. It's a story of the miracle-working power of God. If you know anything about World Challenge and our history, that's really what our ministry's all been about—seeing uh, miracles from the day we started. And uh, gang member Nikki Cruz got saved through the drug addicts in the early days of. Uh, to the days now where we're out doing evangelistic crusades and uh, reaching people uh, that uh, come to know Christ. Uh, but I love stories that only, not only say that I had transformation, I came to know Christ, but when God does great uh, marvelous and mighty things uh, after uh, the conversion experience. So Matthew, welcome. Thank you for taking the time to be with us today.
1: Thank you for having me, Gary.
0: Yeah, glad glad you're here. Now, this is a little bit unique. This is a first for us. First time we've ever interviewed anybody in Cambodia um, and I'm, we're, we're live right now you're uh, in Cambodia what, what part of Cambodia are you in?
1: In Siem Reap, not far from Angkor Wat, the big, the big okay. ancient temples.
0: Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm familiar with the area, our ministry does a bit of work there with what we call development, helping uh, impoverished countries, uh, excuse me, communities uh, develop a, a scheme to escape poverty and also then it's an opportunity to share the gospel, so we're, we're we, we love, we love the country that you're working in. Uh, but it's been a long, uh, uh, yeah. And so it's, it's, uh, just one of the audience to know too, it's like one thirty in the morning there for him. So uh, he looks quite spry and uh, looks like he's doing really well. Even in the, if it was me, I'd be halfway asleep right now. Not, yeah. <laughs> so let's, uh, so I, what I was saying is it's been a long journey and a lot of transformation and a lot of things. We were just talking off camera there that, uh, just a starting place is we sort of grew up in the, or at least I was born in the same area where you grew up in uh, Pennsylvania. Where, uh, where is that? You were in Clearfield, Pennsylvania. Clearfield. Yeah. And uh, and I was in Phillipsburg where I was born. That's where my father and mother pastored. If people have read the Cross and Switchblade, they'll probably hear that little town called that. And so uh, Clearview was just, uh, you said we were rivals in high school, huh?
1: Yeah, high school football rivals. It's right off Interstate 80, not far from Penn State.
0: That's so, wild. Yeah, yeah. pretty close. Well, well, I feel we're con- we're connected then from our histories. You yeah. mm-hmm. so uh, so you grew up there, and uh, what what? Tell me a little bit about your upbringing. What What was your life like uh, growing up there?
1: Only child, grew up in a strong Christian home. My my mom's side of the family was a uh, believing family for the most part. My dad's side wasn't. Um, dad met my mom uh, probably around 1974 75 and uh the word came through her dad if you want to date my daughter you have to have to attend church so that's how he um uh, sat under solid doctrine preaching in, in clearfield and under pastor white and accepted christ a while later uh, they got married then and had me and um uh, you could say that's when the war began there there was a lot of spiritual warfare in in uh I believe it rather than delving so much into psychology, which I think sometimes nowadays we have a tendency to go into what happened in your childhood and where was your father and all that kind of stuff. Um, All I know is that the enemy came in. My dad was willing to spend more time with me than any other dad probably I've ever heard of. Um, Very outdoorsy kind of guy. So always wanted to go for a hike with me and, and showed me how to change the oil in the car. and. Um, wanted to spend a lot of time with me more than I wanted to back at the time with, with, uh, Saturday morning cartoons and that sort of thing. But, um, I really felt inadequate from an early age. I felt like I wasn't masculine enough. I couldn't, uh, relate to the masculinity of the other boys that wanted to play uh, football and kickball and things like that. I thought if I go out there and join them, they're going to see that I throw or kick like a girl. And so, uh, that's how it was. I felt inadequate. And then because of that inadequacy, I kind of withdrew from the men and the boys and kind of went off with the women. So Thanksgiving and Christmas, I'm there huddled together with the women talking about fashion and the next pair of jeans coming out. And uh, the enemy just worked from, through some fear and inadequacies and that sort of thing. And, and I, I followed that fear and from an early age. And by 12 years old, I felt an attraction to the same sex and didn't know what to do with that. Hated myself really in those early years, prayed the Lord would take that feeling away. And the temptation didn't go away. Um, was in a Christian school. Well, church, my parents were leaders of the youth group. Uh, my dad was an elder and treasurer in the church, um, school right next to the church. I was very well churched and learning and memorizing scripture, but, um, still had that temptation. Didn't feel any, didn't feel any genuine attraction to a girl. And, uh, that was the, the toughest part beyond the temptation to men. I, I didn't feel any attraction to a woman, right. so I didn't feel that I could just pass it off and kind of uh, you know, pretend like it wasn't there and marry a woman and, and live a normal life. Long story short, uh, started to take baby steps with, with the temptation still there and the hormones raging in the teen years. Started looking at magazines, catalogs, like underwear models sort of thing as kind of a baby step forward then videos when that wasn't enough. And so you, you start to follow the sin, the sin overtakes you, and it, it really began to rule over me as I followed it. And uh, you would imagine that you would understand that it would just be kind of common knowledge. Well, where's this path going? If, if this type of porn isn't enough and this one isn't enough, and then a year later this one isn't enough and you're graduating further and further, obviously Satan's leading you to, to go out and act on all that in the end. Uh, But I couldn't see that. I was blinded in in my lust. And um, I went to Pittsburgh, the nearest city, went to University of Pittsburgh. I was about 19, 20, 21, I think, when I started to really drink to the point of getting drunk. Um, It runs in the family, alcoholism. So I I veered away from it as best I could and then eventually took that plunge um, about 21. Long story short felt real counterfeit freedom, what I, what I would call counterfeit freedom, where I felt like now I finally have the guts to do the things I've seen in the videos and, and have the guts to go off and say the things and do the things that I want to do, act out those fantasies. So it started out fun. It started out exciting for first, probably five or six years out in the regular bars. Then I would segue to the gay bar about one o'clock in the morning or so disappear. I would tell my friends, I'm going to the bathroom, never come back. I would start to experiment with men and kind of be so drunk that I would pretend the next day, maybe it didn't happen and feel shame and guilt. And then maybe two weeks later, dive back into it. Eventually I came out bold and bold as a lion and that lifestyle calling home drunk in the middle of the night, telling my family, um, Mm -hmm. if you don't accept me, then, you know, we're done and that sort of thing. But it took me quite a few years before I was uh, bold enough to come out to my family to I wrote them a letter rather than go home to the small town and face them and the pastor came out that had dedicated me as a baby and had been with us through a lot of stuff every time we had a tragedy we called the pastor so they came out the pastor came out and read the letter with a tear rolling down his, his cheek and prayed with dad and mom and before he left they said he he uh turned around to them in the kitchen on the way out the door and said, don't look for this thing to be over anytime soon. And they say, looking back, my dad says, I'm so thankful he told us the truth rather than God yeah. wants to take away all your problems. Everything will be fine tomorrow. And, and, uh, he really prepared them in a realistic way to, to get on their knees at bedside, shoulder to shoulder, praying and fasting for me, going to going to war and the spiritual for me. And, um, it was probably I think two and a half years or so I think I get my my uh, dates and times mixed up but I think it was about two and a half years after that day that the Lord came in at the 11th hour I really came to the end of myself through addiction and that was the only way that I was willing to look up is when I, I was so severely addicted to alcohol was kind of the gateway once I had alcohol I got into other stuff, mostly cocaine. And when the cocaine ran out and it was late at night, kind of whatever else was around. Mm-hmm. Um, cigarettes also, I smoke like a chimney when I when I had drinks. So um, everything kind of started with from alcohol and then flowed from there. And alcohol also was the door that I opened that, that provided the guts to go out and like I said, act on all the things. So if I had it to do over again, if I could go back to that day when I first got drunk, um, I might not do that you know what i mean because i i don't know that i would have had the guts to do all the things that i did and cause all the destruction and Mm self-destruction that i did if i hadn't opened that door that i couldn't close long story short the lord uh, called me to repentance through some really tough stuff when my parents went to war in prayer and fasting 9 11 happened during that kind of time when i was out in that life i turned on the tv out of a drunken stupor Started crying, uh, realized that the Lord is bringing judgment on my country, that I might be next, and I wasn't ready to meet Him. Uh, but I still wasn't willing. I was prideful. I was arrogant. I thought I came this far. I, I can't say I'm wrong now. This is who I am, you know, like the
0: the anthems
1: and the gay bars and Lady Gaga and all that preach to us these days. So uh, it was a uh, while later. There was a street evangelist in Pittsburgh on my lunch break. I, I worked for PNC Bank at the time, and And an evangelist followed me into McDonald's one day, stood behind me and tapped me on the shoulder out of hundreds of people in in the downtown area at the time and said, where will you go tomorrow if you died?" He seemed to kind of focus on me and invest in me, like seemed to narrow everybody down to me. And I thought, wow, he doesn't know my family back in Clearfield. That's two and a half to three hours away. This has to be the Lord. But Why? because I had bought into the lie that the gospel doesn't apply to me. I have strange desires and bizarre fantasies and I'm sick in the head, I'm I'm a freak. So just leave me alone, leave me die in in this life. Mm -hmm. And um, the Lord started to awaken me, started to open my eyes and, and it was kind of a gradual process. So it wasn't until some friends committed suicide, overdosed, and all kinds of stuff Mm -hmm. were happening that Satan was really revealed in that life where it became very apparent. This is the path of destruction. You've been had. You know what I mean? Um, And at that point, when, when I knew that I would be a quiet funeral, then the Lord came in with the conviction. I was having heart palpitations from the cocaine and internal bleeding from stomach ulcers and in the hospital, not knowing how I got there several times and just craziness. And uh, I was doing sit-ups, push-ups on my floor in in my filthy apartment in Pittsburgh, waiting for somebody to come that I had met online. He was going to come for the weekend. We would have sex all weekend. That was the Sodom and Gomorrah kind of life that I lived. Very common among men in in the gay lifestyle, whether they want to admit it or not. And um, I was preparing for him because I was going to put on this display that I was attractive and functional and everything. I kind of put on a good facade. And um, as I'm doing that on the floor, I'm doing the sit ups and I can feel this tension in my chest really, the war over the souls of men that the enemy's hanging on to me with the lies about who my false identity and, and homosexuality and gay life and. And the Lord calling me to repentance, the One World Bank. And I worked in a bank and we were doing mergers and acquisitions, kind of back office work. So that that interpretation of end times scripture kept coming to my head as I was working in the bank. Earthquakes in diverse places and other end times prophecies were coming through my head. It's kind of like time. Time is short. You must repent. And so it's kind of like the enemy has me by the throat and the Lord saying, I can get you out, but you have to surrender. You have free will, right? So um, I said, "Okay." Either in my spirit or out loud, I still don't. I don't remember, but um, I felt the demonic, the spirit lift to the left-hand side. That might sound strange or crazy, but I, I remember mm-hmm. feeling that it was lifting to the left-hand side of me. I got up and and was in front of uh, like a chest of drawers kind of thing. There was a mirror on there, so I looked at myself in the mirror. It was kind of like where am I? What happened? It was like I had been released and free, truly born again, that I had been set free. And now, so now what? Uh, So later that evening I got on my knees. I prayed the sinner's prayer. I remembered as a kid, I went to church that Sunday. Did it, was everything perfect immediately? No. Um, I I had about a two month walk off period with the alcohol and drugs and the sexual kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But since then July twenty, it was uh, May twenty eighth, two thousand and ten, when I gave my life to the Lord, and then June twenty fifth, my last sexual experience with a man, my last homosexual experience, mm-hmm. and then uh, July twenty seventh, July twenty seventh, last uh, substance: cocaine, alcohol, cigarette, the whole nine. So praise the wow. Lord for a new life. He's Brilliant. the only one who's been able to keep yeah. me standing. And uh, wow,
0: Matthew, that is. That's an incredible story. Um, first of all, you know your vulnerability and your openness. I thank you for that. That's that's some, sometimes far too rare in Christian circles in the church today. So thank you for being open and vulnerable with us about the struggles you have faced. And then thank the Lord for you know, that. I, I'm also thankful that you mentioned you know the spiritual warfare that's involved in this thing. Uh, I've been looking at this a lot lately. Just the authority that. Christ has delegated to us, you know, like John 17, he says, uh, you know, the, the prayer is father, the authority you gave to me, I give to them. And, you know, like you're, you're, you said that your free will, you had to cry out to God. You had to, in some senses to the small degree that you know how you're taking authority over, over that. And I'm sure your parents were, you mentioned that in, as you were telling your story, you mentioned your parents were fasting, praying, and you added that third element, you know, you know the the spiritual warfare that's involved in this thing, and I also want to thank you for talking, you know, adding the part that says, you know, that your pastor said to your parents, you know, don't expect this thing to be, a, you know, a, a one-shot prayer, a, you know, fasting on a Monday and then see the results on Tuesday. That I'm thankful that your parents stuck, stuck with you and prayed over you and believed for you and 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 did engage in that spiritual warfare because no matter what kind of habits or hangups or sins uh, patterns we we get into and we all have them, you know, we, we have to, you know, there there has to be that spiritual breakthrough and thank God, thank God you had that. Yeah.
1: Would you stay stay
0: working in? Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Matthew.
1: Can I say one more? Yes, please. Uh, They, the one thing that was really, really crucial and vital, like I was not really having I mean, I had I had faith. I believe I had faith. We could argue about whether or not I was truly born again and the Lord chastised me in my deep sin or how that all went. But um, what I'm the point that I'm trying to make is that I was trying to get the approval of my parents. And I thought if I can just get them to approve it on some level, it's kind of like God approves it. You know what I mean? Almost like nowadays, if the government approves gay marriage, then maybe God changed his mind in some roundabout way. It's like that doesn't even make sense. But, but I think that's how society thinks of things. And so I thought if I can push them. And so it's Satan working through me, force them to turn away from the Lord, because that's the only way to do it. They would have to say, you know what? You're right. We love our, we love our son more than the Lord God Almighty. We just will turn our back on his word. And hug you and we'll all die together. I mean, it's crazy what I was doing, what the enemy was doing through me. I didn't realize. But um, they refused. They really stood on the word of God, like, we love you unconditionally, but this is nothing more than sin. There's nothing new under the sun. This is not some new thing that we're gonna approve and endorse next year. That this is it's just sin, and that's all it is. But I'm I'm so thankful they did that because in it was an Abraham-Isaac kind of situation. And in choosing me and in choosing the Lord and his word, they, in the end, they chose me because he came through. And I believe that it was in part due to their obedience that he came at the 11th hour and the Lord.
0: Amen. And that would be your advice to parents um, when they get the letter, like you wrote to your parents, um, would, would you advise yes. them to act pretty much just like what your parents did or any other things that yes. might be added to that? Uh,
1: it sounds. It might sound really hard nosed when I when I say they just stood on the word. And of course, my mom was very. Uh, she's a mother, so she has a mother's heart, and she was uh, she was trying to to make sense with me and communicate with me and trying kind of the motherly approach. But at the end, when it really came down to the spiritual war, when I was screaming, cussing, profanity, and everything in the middle of the night to them, my dad gave the order: step back. Um, yeah. this it's a spiritual war he said at some point at sometimes when i would call home late at night that it wouldn't even be my voice anymore if you know what i wow. mean so the enemy was yeah. coming through me to that degree and he said let's step back let the lord deal with us it's above us he said in in war we lose people and we may have i think we lost men so wow. that's really how bad it got before the lord came in
0: i bet i bet they were just doing like backflips and uh just thrilled out of their minds when uh, when they got the you know the, the call from you and saw the saw the what the Holy Spirit had had done in your life that must have been amazing. Uh, I, I'd, like, I'd love to meet them. This would be beautiful. Amen. Yeah. Um,
1: Gary, you you asked about PNC. Can I answer that question too?
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. So I I continued with PNC Bank and and you know how the things have gone in the U.S. in recent years. So as the government has kind of taken up the the lgbt cause strange strange timing after the lord delivers me from a gay lifestyle i'm in lower level management in the in pnc bank and i've been there for uh by the end it was 15 years so probably about 13 14 years at this time when the we got a new head of our department and he even especially championed the lgbt cause that we were going to have diversity and inclusion and and um, diversity and inclusion initiatives, and so on. And part of my role was to do communications within our department, so communications out to the department about what was going on every week. And um, so it kept coming across my desk that I was required to support the LGBT agenda to send people down the path of destruction that I nearly followed to my death and saw many of my friends die in and i couldn't do that so that's how the lord led out of pnc i went to my boss we had a good relationship nothing personal with him but um he tried as best he could to transfer my responsibilities and kind of swap some things and ultimately it came down to diversity is one of our pnc's core initiatives or core um what do they call that core uh value uh, values core values Mm -hmm. And if you're not willing to support our core values, maybe it's time for you to go. And that's how the mm-hmm. Lord let out. And and I knew that I was called to the mission field. And so uh, just prayed, Lord, what's what's next for me? And I was a, I was an Uber driver for a while. And uh, for a couple of months, I was Uber and Lyft and, and got some evangelism training doing that. I had already been witnessing to prostitutes and and folks in tough places in the park because they lived in kind of a higher crime neighborhood in Pittsburgh, and then through the Uber and Lyft got uh, Muslims in the back seat, and sometimes people that, that kind of were like me in my past life in the back seat, and I felt like I was talking to my former self. Just a lot of kind of intensive evangelism there, and and the Lord prepared me through that to come over here. I had been on three missions trips to Cambodia, one to India um, at the time, and so the Lord connected through that.
0: Well, I'm glad you're there. I want to talk about that in just a minute. But uh, first, you know, sometimes when somebody comes out of uh, you know, like the, the, our, our background in our ministry with Teen Challenge, the drug rehab program, um, a lot of folks who come out of uh, addictions end up, you know, having a very uh, sympathetic heart, a lot of compassion, and some even involved in a ministry in that arena. Uh, was that ever a part or is it now a part of your your life mission?
1: Yes. So uh, I had such a laundry list of addictions. I really was uh, my past life. It was just, I, my, my family, I think is kind of predisposed to addiction. It's like, if you like something, you really get into it. And um, at the time I remember talking to my aunt on the phone back right at the point where the Lord was delivering and doing the work. And I was kind of in that intense period where I would be out in the park with the dog, walking in circles at night and calling Christian friends and and singing praise music. And in the word, just, just hanging on by a thread because I knew that if I went home by myself, that I would if I had idle time, that I would start acting out. And so there was a period there where it was really rough in those first few months. And um, I remember talking to her and saying, the Lord, I, I just really believe that the Lord will remove some of this. I don't feel that in 10 years from now that I will have uh, severe temptation toward alcohol every day and cigarettes and cocaine and all this. I think the Lord will, will remove some of it. If not, I don't know how it will work. And so he really uh, took away the, I don't have, I don't wake up every day with temptation to alcohol or cigarettes or drugs. Praise the Lord. That's gone. Uh, maybe on a a fleeting thought or you know, special occasion or something when I'm in a situation where I hear a song or something that reminds me of something. But for the most part, it's not something that I deal with daily. But um, the homosexuality, to be really honest, and this has caused me a lot of trouble in church circles because I I really feel convicted to be honest about this. Because if I'm not honest, I can't help anybody who's still in it. I do still have temptation toward homosexuality. So I haven't acted on it, like I said. Praise the Lord! In twelve years mm-hmm. now, and mm-hmm. have no intention on going back to it. The Lord has done such amazing work that I I live to please Him. I want to be close to Him. I any step back into that is a step away from the peace that passes understanding and all that He's done for me. Yeah. So, um, but mm-hmm. long story short, that's that's where the Lord's kept that temptation. And and my my belief about why is that that I can still shed a tear with somebody who's struggling with homosexuality because it's not far from me, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm still yeah. I'm still dealing yeah. with that and I have victory over it. But so long story short, that's, that's my primary ministry here is to focus on the LGBT, to go and uh, look okay. for folks in the marketplace. This is a third world developing country. So it's a pretty simple life. You have open air markets all over and hair salons and that sort of thing. And the Lord leads in interesting ways kind of crosses my path with somebody if they're interested in talking usually they'll say well you stick out like a sore thumb here I'm six foot six oh, in my. Cambodia where folks are pretty small and, <laughs> yeah. and so I stick, I stick out and they, they typically will ask questions sort of moment moment one moment two they'll, they'll ask well why are you here in my country and that's how the Lord leads to testimony and and Lord willing they're they're open to hear the gospel and that's how it usually goes
0: my goodness. Wow. That's, that's profound. Uh, the, uh, I want to ask you in, 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 to, talk, to address the culture there in the sense of the acceptance of your ministry. They're not the acceptance of the uh, you know, homosexual lifestyle, but the acceptance of, you know, ministering, you know, here in America, you know, the, um, the conversion, uh, th- uh, you know, the outlawed conversion therapy, I think is what they call it, um, yes. which I don't think I fully understand what the government or they even mean by that, Uh, you know, and it's always confused me a little bit too. Maybe if you want to talk about this, you can, if not, we can get right into your mission there, but just, you know, it's like um, the fluidity, the sexual fluidity, gender fluidity, sexual fluidity, that that's, that's promoted. That's part of diversity. But if you are, if you, if you're involved in a gay lifestyle and then you don't want to be anymore, now all of a sudden that's off the table. You, you can't have that kind of fluidity. You can't have that kind of yes. openness or uh, have, have you experienced that? Like, do you, hear, like, like in the secular culture, whether it be in America or Cambodia, uh, I'm yes. asking a lot of questions here at once. And uh, and what would you say the differences are between, and we can take those one at a time. I can come back to them if you want me to. Uh,
1: when Castaway Ministries is the name of the ministry that I'm under and founded a few years ago. And praise the Lord. It's it's a small, just homegrown kind of thing. But um, anytime anyone hears about quote unquote ex-gay ministry, they associate it automatically with reparative therapy. And and the the concept really when somebody says reparative therapy, especially if they're from the LGBT act- activism kind of arena, they're picturing that. Uh, You and I get together because we're pastors or missionaries and we get together in a group and we sit in a circle and then we're trying to uh, typically because historically mistakes have been made in in ex-gay ministries, right? So you kind of tell folks sometimes what what they want to hear, maybe not exactly what the Bible says. So maybe you and I started an ex-gay ministry years ago and we stand up in front of this circle of guys and we say, if you follow the 10 steps that we have laid out here you will have no more same-sex attraction after x Mm -hmm. x amount of time or whatever which the bible doesn't guarantee Mm -hmm. so that that's the core problem is that ministries have lied in the past and now now they're pointing fingers at all of us saying you're just like them and you're, you're you're trying to tell someone they can go from gay to straight and it's like well I don't even say that about myself necessarily if you want to say that i'm still gay i guess that's okay i don't like that term but and i don't feel that the lord likes it but but if you want to say that because i still have temptation toward the same sex then that defines me as gay to me that's that's not right that would be if somebody wakes up every day with temptation to lie but they don't lie so they're nothing but a filthy liar that doesn't make sense Mm -hmm. biblically but um, so, so they're, they're pointing the finger and saying, how dare you try to change people from gay to straight? And it's like, that's not what I'm trying to do at all. From what, what I'm trying to do is get people to, to, to share what the Lord's done for me. He can do for them to share the gospel, which requires repentance for everybody. It doesn't matter what temptation they struggle with, what type of sin struggle they have everybody's required to repent and put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and walk in newness of life. So you could say, well, that's reparative therapy led by the Lord. It kind of is right. It, but it's not man led reparative therapy. Like I would just be encouraging you to have a good relationship with the Lord, to be in his word, to be taking correction from him daily, right. To, to be walking with him and he will do all the work of reparative therapy, quote unquote. Um, yeah.
0: You know well, so with the like, um, you know somebody who has a propensity uh you know like like you mentioned alcoholism in your family uh, you know there there does seem to be some some things that maybe genetically happen and you're predisposed towards certain uh, behaviors and stuff and i've noticed too some people let's, we'll keep on the theme of an alcoholic some people that have an alcoholic problem whether it's an abusive situation or, or mm-hmm. you know, they're straight up alcoholics the mm-hmm. they meet Christ or they or they've known Christ, but they really surrender like you said mm-hmm. and I've seen this this kind of uh, diversity like some people their whole life they just say, hey you know I have to keep fighting the battle I have to you know I get tempted occasionally if I if uh, mm-hmm. you know if I'm in a restaurant and somebody orders a glass of wine I, I desperately want it you know and so that's uh, and then others say like you know man, I got instantaneously set free now everybody wants that one everybody wants the one like no more temptation, no more problems. But I I, I do find the ones who do get the temptation still, if they really, you know, if their heart is really owned by God and they give all to God, that constant, you know, uh, temptation and difficulty. uh, I've heard them say time and time again, you know, it keeps me dependent on the Lord. You know, I just, it, it keeps me, it keeps me hungry for him. You know, if, if I if you know if, if I didn't have temptation I'd probably end up getting haughty and you know lose compassion for others who don't have my miracle breakthrough like that you know so yeah you know, so I, I don't think there shouldn't be considered at all a second class like okay you got a better deliverance because you don't have any temptation anymore now in uh, um, so in that kind of ministry in Cambodia do you do you get any kind of um? social or political um a lot of negative pushback against you in your ministry
1: no not not as of yet i think you've been to cambodia because i heard you speak on a on a video recently something about buddhist nations maybe not cambodia but probably somewhere over here um Long story short, Cambodia has experienced horrific genocide, like a Hitler style dictator back in the seventies, Pol Pot, you probably know of that. And so they they're coming out of a lot and still kind of rebuilding and still uh looking to kind of Thailand the next door neighbor as kind of an older cousin or or uncle kind of kind of country with similar culture but much more developed and um so because they look up to Thailand, and Thailand is a is a hub really for transgender surgery and transgender culture and LGBT culture, it's really like a, a Mecca for it. It's like a Las Vegas times 20. And um, so because they look up to them, there's a little more acceptance of LGBT lifestyle here recently. But historically, it's been pretty conservative in yeah. terms of... Uh, Not not conservative out of fear of the Lord, but conservative out of karma. Really, is is the reason that people there's a concern that I'll be reborn as as a lesser being if I do bad. You know, so there's a um, there's also another Buddhist teaching that if someone is transgender, if they have same sex attraction or transgender, they call it the third sex, and they will. So it's kind of like literally, baby, I was born this way kind of concept within Buddhism where they feel that that they were born into this uh, third gender because of past life sins, because of sins in the previous incarnation. Mm -hmm. So um, there's a lot of of confusion around what it is to to have same-sex attraction, but um, somebody coming in from another country, in part because of all the hardship in the past, because of the genocide and the rebuilding and the flood of relief it was like a haiti kind of thing back in the 1990s when the doors reopened after the genocide and so the red cross and many many relief organizations i think it has more nonprofit ngos than any other country in the world or it's number two or something now and so there's people associate with someone coming from the west who looks like me you're coming to help my country thank you so much you know what i mean and the lord uses that so um People don't exactly appreciate it when they realize that you're trying to convert folks to Christianity, which means that if, if they truly gave their lives to Christ, that they couldn't marry a Buddhist, for example, that's, that can become a point of conflict. But typically day one, when people see you coming or hear that you're a missionary, they think of it as just another religion and all religions want us to do good and be a good person. So, uh, in one, in one sense, that's not good because that, it's a lot of confusion around the gospel that has to be clarified. But in another sense, I think at a government level and whatnot, the Lord gives grace through that because they, they don't see Christianity as a threat.
0: Yeah. And um, do you get back to the United States often or not too much?
1: Yeah. So uh, beginning of COVID got back there, got stuck there when the planes were shut down. Okay. couldn't get an airplane right. back. So it was about 10 months in Clearfield in my hometown. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that was a blessing to be with family, but it was also challenging. And, uh, so I thought, well, when, when I'm here then even in my small town, things have changed quite a bit since I lived there many, many years ago. And, uh, but I thought I'll, I'll witness to folks just like I would in Cambodia here, you know, go to Walmart and run into somebody and, and share Christ with them. So there was a guy in, in Walmart, a, a younger guy. And I, I, Felt pretty sure that he had a struggle with homosexuality, so shared with him. My wife was standing right behind me, within just a couple steps from me, and I shared with him, and and he was fine. It appeared like everything was fine. And then I heard from his mom through Facebook later that day that uh, my son thought you were hitting on him today, kind of thing. And my wife standing right behind me, she said, "No, there's no way." So he's just just saying whatever it takes to shut your mouth. So it's really a, a spiritual war. People will kind of say whatever it takes to shut down the gospel. Another one in my hometown, there was somebody who was going through a transition to be, go from transgender to, to look like a woman and, and so on, had left his wife and family and went to share with him. It was based on another person's request, kind of a mutual friend had requested that. My wife, again, sitting there as a third party, as I'm getting my hair cut, I felt like that was the only way I could earn the right to be heard is to get a haircut, so... So I did that and shared with him everything was fine I thought I hope I didn't offend him I just shared my testimony didn't even get into how it applies to him or how it might apply at all but really? gave him a hug at the end and felt like I hope I didn't offend him too much and and everything was fine so we got home got another backlash through Facebook about uh, from his his former wife was apparently an advocate of what he's doing now, believes in it. So she's, she was attacking me and other people that he knew. And then another person in my hometown area, the same kind of thing. We'll see you in hell and all this kind of stuff. So yeah. much, much different. I, I was sharing with somebody recently, I'm in the 1040 window here in a Buddhist country where you would just imagine that it's spiritual darkness compared to the U.S., but actually it's reversed for this kind of ministry People over here are kind and sweet. There's a, it would be like several generations ago in the US where the respect of elders is so, elders are revered. So I'm old enough to be most people's elder these days in my 40s. So usually when I'm sharing with somebody, they're younger. And even if they don't believe, they'll say, Thank you, sir. And so back home, it's the opposite of that, that's for sure. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, that sounds like, you know, we talked earlier about your, the spiritual warfare that your parents went through on your behalf. And, you know, now you're, now you're battling in a spiritual warfare. That's, uh, and it's not an easy thing. Sometimes it can, uh, you know, it's, uh, I've been looking at this thing lately. My wife and I have been talking about these words, uh, you know, the accusations that the enemy brings. And it, can, it could be just that, that the voice of the enemy himself, or it could be somebody saying something about you. It could be, you know, today, social media, it's you know, so easy to get accusations against you. And, you know, we all know we're going to have accusations. But the second word we've been talking about is, is we call it agreements, where we where we wrongfully begin to agree with those accusations. And, and I think that's, you know, Satan's not really just after accusing us. Really, what he's after is getting us to agree with him. So he says, you're worthless. You're no good. You'll never, uh, you're you're going to be drunk the rest of your life. You're stuck. This, you know, and, and we, we start agreeing with him. Yeah, I am worthless. I am unloved. I am no good. Uh, and, and then... You build your identity out of that. You know, I, I really believe, Matthew, that you are done an amazing work. I love your testimony. And yet, at the same time, I want to encourage people that are listening to us to uh, put you, uh, your name, and your ministry. Uh, we'll have all the notes about your ministry and how to connect connect, and contact with you in the show notes here. But they, that they would pray for you. I hope several people will choose you and your ministry to pray for daily. Like I mean, really intercede uh, because what you're doing is, is so rare, number one. Uh, it's so important. Number two, and number three, it's such under attack, both by the, the enemy himself and by by culture. Uh, and as you see, you've alluded to it several times, you know, through Facebook and other social media, you'll you know, you'll you'll find that. And so, uh, yeah, we're living in some tough times, but the light is good. You yeah. uh, know, time's running out here. But any last uh, thoughts or comments? Uh, anything we missed? Uh
1: no, I, I just think the, the takeaway from the, what we just discussed is that the, the war is so hot in the US and, and I think it's uh, it's so sad for me to see. Like you, you come over here out out of the US and when you're in the US, it's such a bubble. you know you kind of can't see beyond it. And then you come yeah. out here and then you're looking back over there and I, can, I have a, uh, some media and stuff I can see and things online here. And it's like, wow, the enemy's just really uh, has a death grip on my country. And it's so sad to see. And so I would like mm-hmm. to have more of an impact and be more of a voice. And and I just wonder, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know what the Lord has in store in the future, but in so many ways, this feels like a training ground to to get prepared and to kind of arm mm-hmm. up and go back um, ready to fight. You know what I
0: mean? Wow. <laughs> yeah. In these last days. You're, you're you're not afraid of anything, man. I tell you, I admire you. You you got a you got a you got a fan here now out of, out of Gary Wilkerson, and, our, and I know many that are listening to you as well are gonna not only pray for you but just uh, believe in you and support you as well. I'm sure. Um, and um, do you have a? Is it like a website or a, a Facebook? Is that the best way to contact you?
1: Ex-gay witness, exgaywitness dot com and then that has a link to our castawayministries.org and a link to how to know Christ is your Lord and Savior and a link to how to support us and everything. It all kind of flows out of that website.
0: Good, good. Well, I, we pray that people support support you and your work you're doing. And uh, we'd love to keep in touch with you. And if the uh, Lord leads you back to the United States, that's uh, uh, you know, you'll know you definitely need probably even more prayer covering because it's uh, I think what you said has been spot on. Uh, would you mind uh, just closing us in a prayer pray for um, maybe if I could ask a couple prayer requests, one for families that, that, uh, you know, are sort of going through what your parents went through. And then, um, you know, just for the, uh, people listen to listen that maybe are confused or struggling and, and, and want a way out, if you don't mind praying for them. Okay.
1: Okay. Dear Lord, thank you for Gary and this wonderful opportunity and that we can be connected so many miles away, but um, just like we're in the same room and we thank you for what you've done in my life and that you want to do the same in so many other lives. And there are so many people out there, um, Christian families and churches. And we just pray, Lord, for your your wisdom and understanding, for your empowerment, your boldness to stand on your, your word no matter what. The inerrancy, the sufficiency, the authority of scripture in these last days, the inspiration of the word of God. That it would be the final authority in the lives of each and every one of us that um, folks struggling with homosexuality, that you would give them um, conviction and clarity of thought and wisdom and discernment, and that you would give them eyes to see and ears to hear and show them the error of the, the path of destruction, show them that the path that they're on isn't what it appears to be. We pray, Lord, for an awakening in the U.S. that you would bring us back to you where we started we made a lot of mistakes over the years but we were founded on biblical principles and we pray lord that you would bring an awakening a revival in the u.s pray lord for mm-hmm. gary yes. and his ministry that you would be glorified through it pray for special blessing for him in jesus name amen,
0: amen. thank you Matthew. i appreciate it so much and uh those of you that uh, are listening to this episode thanks for being with us uh, today and look forward to next time we're with you as well god bless you The Gary Wilkerson Podcast is brought to you by World Challenge, transforming lives through the message and mission of Jesus Christ. Each week, this podcast reaches thousands of listeners. This critical work is made possible by the generous contributions of individuals like you who believe in World Challenge's mission. Thank you for listening and supporting.